You see, looking up from the ground, blood-red clouds boiling across the sky. You did ask me to bring the thunder. Dejan! <laughs> Dejan! Help! I've got the chalice! Please! Well, if they're following you, then I guess that takes care of a loose end for me. <laughs> All of you feel the earth beneath you shake and crack and break. I feel that I have failed both of you, and I am sorry for that. This has nothing to do with you being a bad leader. Do you want a countdown? Oh, I think I want a countdown. I want to help. I always had good two, intention. I do not deserve to die. Now. The Lucky Die Podcast is a weekly 5e Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. Join our adventure every Monday, wherever you download podcasts, by searching for The Lucky Die. You're listening to The Ironbound Chest. Our topic for discussion this month is fairness, and today... I'm sitting down with Meliora Henning. Let's add some wealth to the chest. everyone and thank you for opening the Ironbound Chest. My name is Austin Moraga and today I'm joined by Meliora, comic artist, storyteller, RPG enthusiast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah. As I said before we start all this, I do appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come do this with me. Oh, it's no trouble at all. I appreciate you being such a humble host. Oh, thank you. Making me blush. Mm. And I know we also discussed this a little bit uh, before recording as well, but for listeners, you might hear some thunder in the background because it's currently storming its ass off outside and I'm right near a window. So apologies. I will try to do my best at editing out any uh, loud thunder cracks and whatnot. Or just leave it in. Or just leave it in, you know. I mean, it it is pretty much October, end of October, it was, what, two days before Halloween? Yeah. Because it's on the 31st, yeah. Yeah. Be my perfect mood right there. Yes. But uh, to get into things, though, welcome to this show. This show is all about having discussions with people in the D&D and TTRPG community about different monthly topics. This month's topic of October is all about fairness. Pretty Ugh. much a discussion. <laughs> who wants to be fair, right? There's no such thing as fair at my table. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do fair here, boys. No. I love it. Well, we're going to have a great discussion, I think, regardless. <laughs> but, so in, in this topic of fairness, pretty much like a discussion on proper fairness to players at the table without favoritism, without discrimination, while still striving to create a challenging and fun game. Mm. But before we get into the the juicy questions, I want to ask you my golden question. Yes. What is it that you treasure most about D&D? So the thing that I've come to really enjoy about not only just Dungeons & Dragons, but you know, tabletop role-playing in general, is being able to tell stories with friends and gather everybody mm-hmm. together and just have this sort of communal gathering. It's it's very primal. Um, you know, if you think about it, humans for tens of thousands of years have gathered around the campfire and shared stories with each other. 
And it's just a primal thing that's in our DNA. So Mm -hmm. to have it as an outlet that you and friends can, you know, just share together, it makes it so powerful um, and a very beautiful thing. So that's what I treasure most about it. I love that. I've had a lot of people say that and it never gets old to me because it is a fantastic answer. And I've said this, I believe, to you before we recorded, but like to others, like there are no right or wrong answers to any of these questions I ask you. But like, I feel like what you and what other, others have said in the similar vein of like, you know, storytelling, communal gatherings, and and just like, you know, the sharing of these, you know, these tales and whatnot and, and being together like that. It is such a wonderful, like fulfilling experience that is in its essence, it's something that we have been doing since we could grunt and speak enough to where we could understand each other. And it's fantastic. It's fascinating to me. It is. It's it's, it's a beautiful thing. And, you know, you can almost imagine like our Neanderthal ancestors sat around a sat around like a, you know, a primitive campfire rolling rocks and be like me attack (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i was just thinking about that like like you know the traditional caveman image with them just rolling like a big freaking like rock the size of their fist just thunk me hits (laughs) no you miss no and smashing the dice and just throws it halfway (laughs) here smashes rock throws it halfway across the cave yeah good fun oh i know yeah, it's so great. I wanna, I wanna have a campaign like that someday. Oh, oh don't you jinx yourself! It'll happen. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, besides my golden question, uh, how have you been this week? How have you been doing? You know, I have been doing pretty well this week. As you've gathered from from the notes, the dossier, as you called it, or um, <laughs> or uh, professional stalking, one could say. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have been working on an original comic book, sort of putting the script together for that. I am yeah. reading 100 Habits of Successful Freelance Designers. Something I didn't, I didn't share is that I also do graphic design. And as a quick aside, if there is a hobby or anything, I've probably done it at least once. <laughs> so nice. I, I have way too many hobbies and skills, unfortunately. Jack of all trades. Yeah, pretty much. So I've done that. I actually just yesterday got together with a buddy of mine who's going to be starting his own his own entertainment production business with like role playing games in mind and I'm helping him design a logo and getting mm. his brand all put together and if I could share it with you I would totally just share it because it is gorgeous it's one of my best works to date but NDAs <laughs> So that's been my week. How about yourself? Oh, I don't get many people who ask me that. Not that I resent that or anything, but like, it's just, it's just nice. They don't care Um, like I do. (laughs) (laughs) No shade. No shade. Yeah. Whatevs. No, I've been, I've been good. So I guess my week starts on Sundays for my work week. Like I'm just busy constantly, normally most weeks. And this week has been pretty good. Like I work 10 hour shifts at my job and my feet have been killing me. And I think I was telling you a bit before we started recording that uh, like I had just gotten off work and I was like, shit, I got like 30 minutes to (laughs) set things up. And like, luckily I had my computer in my, what I call my dungeon room, which is, is not as scintillating as it might sound. Oh, that's Um, unfortunate. Though it is a very (laughs) cool room. I love being in here, but no, it's been good. Had D and D. I actually, yeah, I had D and D last night with my regular group of people, which was really fun. They've been, so if I could share with you a little bit of what's going on in my, my home game. Let's hear it. So, so to start things off, this campaign that we're on is is completely homebrew. Something that I'm just 
I started writing and for the past maybe like four to five sessions, I have not been doing any prep. I'm just going along like with whatever they come up with and whatever I can improvise. And we've just been having a blast. Like it's been so fun, so freeing also. Mm -hmm. So it went from being what I would call what I started calling a one shot. I was like, hey, guys, let's do like a, a one shot to while our other campaign is on hold. This one shot ended up turning into this huge campaign we're on. Well, uh, it went from them having this like big, serious tone of like, you have to get these relics, these artifacts in order to figure out this mystery of this or that, you know, and there's like powerful people at play to now. They just last night, they infiltrated a mime mafia den. Oh, literally like they're in this city that they're at. It's called Glasswall. The city of Glasswall, there is a crime syndicate made of entirely of mimes like mute tongue cut out mimes that uh are a plague upon this city so they with the help of this bugbear that they met who was the door bouncer for this den named smoky tony <laughs> he, <laughs> he so and he's got this like brooklyn's like hey i'm smoky tony what's up man <laughs> so them and smoky tony basically went into this den and we're like, oh, we got this. We faced a few mime bandits, whatever. Well, they went in further. This thing is like sprawling. It had like a fighting ring with a Gryon and a Chimera and other bandits. And like the, I guess he could be like a sub boss, but he was like a dude who had like all these spells and he had uh, an air elemental and an air elemental Myrmidon with him. And the party was basically split in this little, you know, hideout dungeon thing. And they got their asses kicked like a half-orc barbarian that I cannot get down at all. And last night I got her, I think the lowest I got her was like 7 HP, which I was like patting myself on the back. I was like, hell yeah, I did it. Like, like I didn't get you down. Well, not not to cut you off there, but if if you're having some trouble getting your players knocked down, that's uh, an area I can definitely help with. It's all about, it's all about tactics and... Not being afraid to play a little dirty. That's where yeah. I suppose I I fall out of line with the theme of the month. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was gonna like uh, go into. Like I was being a little bit unfair sometimes. Like like I would mm-hmm. maybe fudge a dice roll here or there. Like not not uh, hugely. Like I'm I'm pretty good at you know keeping true to what the dice say. But like there are a few times I'm like you know. Uh, I want them to have a challenge because normally they will blow through whatever encounters I have. I'm like, I want this to be challenging. So uh, all all together, it was like a CR7. They're like all level seven. There's four level sevens. There's like a CR7, a CR5, and so on and so forth. It was a super deadly encounter. And they came out on top. Like they survived. Surprisingly to me, because I'm like, at least someone is going to go down. <clears throat> Smokey Tony went down. Smokey Tony saw God and was like, oh, my God, I just wanted to be a good guy. And the paladin, bless him, he he used like a good chunk of his like healing word or healing hands or whatever to like bring him up. And he was like, oh, my God, I owe you a life debt, man. Mm-hmm. So all in all, like it, I'm, I'm just still reeling from it because it was such a fun encounter. The longest one we've ever had might initiative tracker was so full 
I just had a great time with it. So excuse me for rambling, but I'm no, like, oh that's my God, awesome. it was just so fun. No, I love uh, hearing about other people's campaigns and stuff. It's interesting to hear yeah. and how different GMs approach their games. I, I, I genuinely am interested in hearing that stuff. It's fun. Cool. Well, the last thing I'll, I'll end off is that the thing that I'm also excited for is that Sunday, I had a session zero with three new players of mine, <gasps> two of which had never played really like had never played D&D before. So we all made their characters. I helped them on with that. And then uh, I'm actually doing my first actual published campaign, not a homebrew. I'm doing Descent into Avernus mm. and I'm going to try to run that for them. Good luck. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be, I know it's a dangerous, can be a very dangerous book and adventure, but I'm going to try to be as fun with it as I can though. But that was my week. That's been my week. <laughs> That's awesome. I actually forgot to add in something else. Two other exciting things that happened this week for me. And Ooh, I think yeah. you'll I think you'll be excited by this too. Uh, I have coming in the mail old school essentials, which is basically OSR Ooh. stuff. It's um think like first edition D D, second edition D D, sort of streamlined mm-hmm. and cleaned up for for modern or more modern oh. audience. But it's for, for for folks who still love the old school feel, but one like and That's it's cool. it's just cleaned up. I love it. I'm really loving it. And uh, is it I also, still as in depth before? Is it still <clears throat> as in depth as as the old ones? I think it's actually a lot cleaner. Um, the book is only I want to say maybe 300 pages, and wow. not all of that is like character roles. Like it, it includes your characters, character stuff, some items, and monsters. And I want to say mm. something else at the end, but it's 300 books of like everything you would need. And I also got the Witcher TRPG from Artelsorian Games. They had a Gen Con special, so you could get the core rulebook, a additional Witcher journal, which has extra monsters and stuff, and a GM screen for only 20 bucks. What? Oh, my God. Yeah. I I couldn't resist. I was like, I love Uh, this stuff too much. I can't not buy it. You'll have to share a link to that with me because I have a few friends who are just like diehard Witcher fans that whenever I was running a game for them of D&D he was basically a Witcher but you know not actually Geralt so I'm like I would love to send that to him he would be all about that I'll do you one better how about I run a one shot for you and your buddies uh, that would be really cool because um, that would be so cool you know not to toot my own horn but I'm pretty cool I'm pretty good at what I do you seem and, very cool. <laughs> and and on top of it all, I am a voice actor, so you're you're gonna get plenty of different textures out of characters. Ooh, I like I like how you use the word textures there. Textures. Yeah. Textures. It's an art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's something that I wanted to do way back when I'm like, I don't think I'm that good. So but I do like making funny voices from all my players. There you go. It's just, it reminds me of being a kid again. It's all about having it. fun. That's true. Well, besides having fun, let's get into some questions here and let's Uh-oh. have some more fun. <laughs> oh, no. I've been trying to oh, put this no. up the whole time. <laughs> you no. can never escape. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> well, so again, our topic is fairness. But before I ask you my first question about fairness, I have one of my Patreon subscribers. <gasps> they have the ability to ask my guests a question. Oh, how fun. Yeah. So so they get to join in the fun of actually presenting questions for, for some of my guests. And this one, the question is, when my wife and I play D&D, we escape from politics, world problems, and just mm. get to relax into another world for a few hours a week. 
Without counting movie theaters, which are closed, and reading, which is hard right now with kids running around, what is your favorite way to relax? My favorite way to relax, honestly, is to sit in a quiet room, put on my headphones, and just meditate. Whether that's music specifically made for meditating, or if I mm-hmm. throw on like some Cannibal Corpse or you know something like yeah. that. Yeah. So that's my favorite Very thing cool. to do to relax. My um nice. my. My like Zen place is just escaping from everything visually, mentally, everything. And listening to music takes me back to, you know, like the happiest time in my my teenage Uh, years. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've always been like a musician. I've always been into music. So like it's just an important part of me. And um, and I just really connect with that process. So that's what I do. Love that. I can really relate to that a lot of times. I. I would say I probably do the same thing for my relaxation, mm. like whether it's earbuds or heck, even if I'm at work, like I'll just pop in an earbud, even if I'm walking around. But like it's just easier to relax at work or at home just with music, you know. Well, honestly, whenever it's anything like I'm with you there, I will put on some heavier stuff like Cannibal Corpse mm. or I don't know exactly what you doing, but like there's a band called Make Them Suffer that I love. Uh, oh my god, that's awesome! Like, yeah. So actually, if you don't know them, they are actually named after a Cannibal Corpse song. Yeah, yeah, I assume so, that yeah. much. How about Cannabis Corpse? Is kind of funny though. All their songs, Cannabis are, Corpse. Yeah, Ooh. they're all cannibal. They're a Cannibal Corpse cover band, but all the songs oh are rethemed around weed, and it's the oh funniest gosh, thing in the world. That's great. <laughs> At first, I was thinking like, are they like a stoner metal band? Because no. like those are pretty good. <laughs> but like, wow. No, it's it's, uh, it's straight up a Cannibal Corpse rip, and it's it's so worth it. Oh my it. god, that's great. Right. Did you did you make a pun right there? A Cannibal Corpse rip? No, that was unintentional. Well, you did it. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> <I'm natural. laughs> well, no, it. Yeah, there you go. But all but all that aside, I think that is a great way to relax. Yeah, especially you know, just if you've got some time to yourself, or even just even before bed, I would use to pop in earphones. Right now, I think I have like an Alexa that I might sometimes put on and just you know just zone out to. Absolutely, and, I love and it's. It. It's very important to reconnect with sort of blank space, spiritually, mentally, to recenter yourself. And I I talk about this whenever I work with spiritual clients and stuff. It's important to find time to love yourself. And, you know, whether that's engaging in a hobby you love or going for a run, snuggling with your dog or taking, you know, your significant other and cuddling on the couch, watching a movie, whatever the case may be, you have to Mm -hmm. take time for yourself. And- Doing that meditative process is so healthy. For me, if I've had a rough week or or anything like that, something as simple as just sitting down, breathing, and letting all those thoughts just go, and you you let them flow off of you, and there's something so restorative and magical about that, like real magic in that. Definitely. I've always found that sometimes, sometimes it would be a bit hard for me because like, when I was in like second grade, I was diagnosed with ADD hmm. and I was on medication for a long, 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 long time up until like around 2012 or 13 or so. And for the past seven years, I've been off of it, but still I might sometimes have some issues with my brain running at like 200% capacity <laughs> with doing, wanting to think about everything, mm-hmm. worrying about everything, just be like, oh God, I want to do this. I'm going to do that. And like, it will sometimes be harder for me to just kind of like, okay, I need to do this, Austin. You need to do this. You need to sit down. You need to just like, like you said, take a breath. Mm-hmm. Just have some earphones in, you know, and just 
relax. And and I know for some people too, like, especially in the way the world is right now, it can be a bit hard for people to kind of like detach themselves from that. But it, again, like you're saying, it is vitally important, I think, in order Absolutely. to have that to kind of like reground yourself in like you, just like bare bones you and, and that simple mindset of like peace. Exactly. You know? And and, you know, the thing is, is that it's so easy to get swept up in all the things that are happening around the world. It's, you know, yeah. you turn on your phone and you're bombarded with bad news all the time. You turn mm-hmm. on the news yep. on TV, you're bombarded with bad news. And you're exposed to that so much that now your brain is primed to start picking up on all of the negativity that's going around. So everything mm-hmm. starts becoming overwhelming and everything seems negative. But you have to take a moment to step back. And look at your life and, you know, and realize that in the grand scheme of things, like with this pandemic right now, things are terrifying for Mm -hmm. a lot of people. But in the grand Mm -hmm. scope of things, if you look at the world, this is just a drop in the water in the ocean of life. It's going to pass. It's going to be difficult, but it's going to pass. There are far worse things happening in other places in the world than what we have to deal with here. And, you know, you have to just realize that there's the macrocosm stuff that's going on but then there's your Mm -hmm. little microcosm where you're at home and you have control over all that stuff at home in your immediate area yeah Yeah. that's why i love things like DD, where i can just like you know you you step into that fantasy realm around with the people around you you have that aspect of the storytelling you know you're you're detaching yourself from this reality and going into another Mm -hmm. and weaving a story that doesn't have these kind of world woes and the issues that are plaguing it and stuff like that and sometimes sometimes for sure sometimes (laughs) if you're not me (laughs) (laughs) i love that though it seems like you're like you're a very brutal dm okay just from the conversations i've had with you on twitter and stuff like that yeah so um i'll actually touch on my dm philosophies and i'm I'm sure you'll love this so uh, you and the listeners so everybody strap in and have some fun so (laughs) i sort of I, i got started playing pathfinder and then and that was a mistake for my first game um and then i moved into fifth edition and i've been playing fifth edition since it came out but uh whenever i when it comes to stories i the stories i like to tell or at least i like to tell for the longest time is like more of a grim dark harsh setting and the thing that that about fifth edition and this is why i stepped away from fifth edition a lot and going Mm -hmm. to the osr stuff and other systems is because it's almost too easy or too safe in that there are no less than 14 ways to stabilize a dying character. No less than 14. If you take away magic items, no less than 14. The difference between fifth edition and older editions, let's go to, well, I'll use old school essentials because that sort of pulls from the older editions. Yeah. If um, you drop to zero hit points, you don't make death saves. You're just dead. That's it. Yeah. And that alone is so huge. But then there's also other systems that I play that don't have resurrection magic in them. And that there's something wonderful about that. Because for me, whenever I'm trying to tell a story with my friends, and they're all aware of what they're getting into, by the way. So that way, so that way people aren't worried that I'm forcing them into it. They all know what they're getting into when they come to my table. (laughs) The way I run a game is the world is not balanced to your character level. So you're not going to be fighting balanced encounters all the time. You as a like if if you and I were to sit down and play right now and you said, okay, I want to go out into the wilderness. I'll say, okay, which Mm -hmm. direction would you like to go? And 
let's say for, you know, just for sake of argument, you say, well, I want to go north into that forest over there. That looks pretty interesting. You go in there and chances are you could run into a little group of goblins or you could run into a dragon, depending on how I've set up the ecology. I don't pull any punches, you know, and the way I run the games with my, with my, with my friends and anybody I gather in is not every encounter is meant to be fought and won. Um, you do have to consider retreat and learn to accept that you're not going to win everything. And I strip away that power fantasy aspect of it. And I know a lot of people love it, but I strip it away because it turns it into a, a story in a, in a game where you are a bunch of regular everyday people fighting against impossible odds. And then at the mm -hmm. end of the campaign, you achieve the impossible if you survived but you achieve something great by the end of the campaign or you either die or you just decide that your character wants to retire and you take somebody else to bring up the mantle. So my games are, are brutal in that way. I don't fudge dice rolls mm -hmm. ever. <laughs> and nice. uh, yeah, no, it's, it's just, I just don't do it. Uh, even if it would give a character like an uncinematic, unceremonial death. Sorry, man. That's, that's just the way fate has decided today yeah so i mean and everybody knows what they're getting into at my table and i explain it to them ahead mm -hmm. of time but you know i like games like that and and it's important too to remember that whenever you're running a game like that you do have to balance it so like whenever you run into a dark situation in my campaign you can also mm -hmm. know that you're going to run into some really bright stuff so you have like this perpetual balance like you know yeah. that once you get down into like the depths of this troll cavern and you're covered in troll feces and you've been spat <laughs> on and beaten and battered and bruised your arms are broken and you know you're getting an infection when you get back into town the bard's dancing on the table and accidentally like maybe like poos his pants in front of everybody you know just some goofy <laughs> stuff so you know you gotta balance I it. it i love that that's amazing honestly like it's fun to to hear that and enjoyable for me to hear that because it just makes me want to play D, D with you even more oh we will uh, just you wait yeah i love that it ties in i feel like very well with the monthly topic of fairness because <gasps> some people i would think wouldn't consider what you do fair mm -hmm. probably more so in terms of fifth edition which you know it's the current edition yeah it's i would say it's the most popular edition right now um with some arguments you know but for all intents and purposes it is the most popular one and yeah fifth edition i've, I've had a conversation like this with several other people where fifth edition is so, just hold your hand it, does. it really does and i feel like that's okay if that's the kind of games you want to run, like I don't mind it, but like what I was talking about with my home game, like there are times when I'm like, I'm not ever trying to kill my character, but I'm like, I want to experience that. I've never killed a character before, <laughs> probably because there is, like you said, like 14 some ways of, of stabilizing a character. Yeah. And that to me, like once I figured that out in my experience of fifth edition, I was like, well, damn, like do characters ever die? And yes, they do, but it's just harder because of what fifth edition does. And it's interesting to me that, you know, like you said, you you have very grim dark, which I love the grim dark settings. <laughs> I want to run something like that. And I guess you could argue that fifth edition does allow that in the way of like fifth edition is very open ended. They're like, you can do whatever you want. It's, you know, just either rule or cool. It's whatever the DM wants to do. You know, you could do that. But most people 
want that. What did you say? Uh, power fantasy. Yeah. You said the power. I think that's a wonderful term that I love. I haven't heard that yet before. I don't yeah. think. And it's just interesting that, yeah, people, people do want to be the heroes. They want to save the day every session, which that's fine. If that's what you want to do at your table, perfect. Like, yeah. I'm not ever going to judge someone for that. But like, if you and your players can come to the agreement of saying, Let's play fifth edition, but we are going to remove death saves. We're going to remove, maybe tweak the spells and abilities that does stabilize a creature in order to make it harder to do so or have the chance where it doesn't work. I think that would be interesting. Yeah, and you're right. You can modify fifth edition. It is so perfect in that it's so simple that you can do that. Mm -hmm. But I found other systems to be more effective for running a grimdark setting. Um, I haven't had an opportunity to play Old School Essentials or The Witcher, but I have played Zweihander. And Zweihander, that is a brutal game. (laughs) That is so nasty. Think of it this way. So whenever you get into combat, you have exploding dice. So every weapon does a D6. If you roll a face six, you get to roll another six. So in theory, it could, you could roll a million sixes and just outright just obliterate someone. Now, the way that this applies to the damage is that you have thresholds thresholds that go along with like a a a status indicator so the statuses Mm -hmm. go from uninjured all the way down to slain so you have like uninjured um lightly injured moderately severely grievously and slain and if you're slain you're dead and Mm. the way that you get to that is you have a damage threshold the damage threshold is a number based on your stats of course and Mm -hmm. you have the first number is your primary then you have three more numbers that you have to beat. And there's a little bit of math that goes into them. But essentially, you roll that D6 weapon, and depending on how how much damage you do, you could just outright kill someone in one hit in Zweihander. Oh, dang. Yep, and that's it. Lights out, bye-bye. See you later. I mean, that's pretty badass. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, and, and you know, 5th edition, it, like you said, it's, it's hard to kill characters, and I've never really gone out of my way to try and kill a character, like, on purpose. You know, I've never been the adversarial DM, just because oh, yeah. I've had that myself, and I hate it. <laughs> but you can challenge your players. It's just a little bit... It takes a little bit of work. So, like, if you're dealing with a mage, you got to be able to do... You, you have to have like some anti-magic or another mage that can use counterspell to, you know, shut them down. Let's let's talk a combat scenario, actually, and this will be fun. Yeah. So set your players up, right? You think of your players, and let's let's just pretend you have one of each class, right? The best way to set up a combat encounter, in my opinion, is you have mm-hmm. archers, which can do range damage. Then you have yeah. your frontline fighters that rush in and keep everybody sort of focused because these are going to be your heavy damage dealers. Um, whereas your archers are going to be doing pin damage, but it's still going to be doing damage. And then you maybe have like a mage or two. And at that point you're doing buffs, you're doing AOE. And so that's Mm -hmm. three different things that your players have to think of. I don't know if this is how he uses it, but as I call the Colville screw, (laughs) you, you turn the, the room or the environment into an aspect of it. So let's say you're Hmm. fighting on the side of a cliff, you know, you roll a D 20 uh, to determine, you know, how many rounds, or not a d20, but you roll to determine in how many rounds that the cliffside is going to collapse. Well, that all of a sudden adds another element of danger. Let's say round one, yeah. they get through all that combat. 
before round two starts, you tell your players, hey, you notice now that as you're in the midst of combat, you've noticed the ground shifting underneath you and uh, (laughs) it feels as if the dirt is beginning to give way. And they'll be like, wait, what? Round two, you say, you know, you notice now that chunks of the side of this cliff have begun to fall off and remove themselves from the uh, cliffside that you're on. And at that point, they're kind of like, oh, what on earth is going on? And if they don't get away next round, boom, they fall. I love that. Yeah. That's so cool. God, I want that. (laughs) Anytime, anytime. It's just so cool to me. Like, but so, so talking about that, that sounds like more of a, of a fifth edition or at least maybe just even like a D and D style. It could be any edition, any edition, any any game. Well, within reason, you can apply those philosophies to any game. It just depends mm-hmm. on the, uh, the, the what you're using because like fifth edition is great for that power fantasy. You're a hero. You're going out and you're yeah. you know you're saving the day sort of thing. It's perfect for that. It's also perfect for like a more like Legend of Zelda experience where it's a little bit more grounded, but it's still got that fantasy element to it. Yeah. But systems like you know systems like The Witcher and Old School Essentials or you know like Vampire the Masquerade even or Call of Cthulhu. They those fit better with different sort of scenarios but for like what i'm talking about i think if there's combat in the game you can certainly set up a scenario similar to that it's just Mm -hmm. a matter of understanding how you can implement it in such a way that your players aren't going to perceive you being adversarial and Mm -hmm. it will be to touch on the the theme fair yeah (laughs) interesting have you run a certain situation like that before i've run plenty of those yeah. Have you had much experience with players you're running that on them being like, what the hell is this? This is like, you know, totally unfair. Like, you know, why, why would yes. this be happening? You know, yeah. how do you how do you deal with that? Well, the the first thing that you have to do, your first line of defense is the session zero, which everybody should be doing. It's great. Um, setting up player expectations oh, yeah. at the beginning of the game. So like with my games, for example, I'll set everybody down and say, OK, um, the game I run tends to be a little bit more brutal. So, you know, uh, I'll, I'll run like a different system than 5e, but let's say if I was running 5e, uh, just to make things easy, I would say, mm-hmm. you know, there's no death saves. Resurrection magic is going to be nerfed or there's going to be consequences to its use. A fun example of that would be like if you, you know, if you fail the roll, they can never have their soul return or something like that. You know, just Ooh, some fun cool. stuff. And then inform them that not every combat encounter is going to be Actually, none of them are going to be properly balanced in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> I'm not going to throw up encounters in front of you that you're going to be able to steamroll over every single time. And I'll inform them of all these things that I usually you know, tend to expect in my game. And then at the end of that, I'll say, okay, do you guys have any questions or concerns? And if somebody at that point says, that doesn't sound fun to me, I'll say, okay, I apologize. But that's sort of the game that I want to run and that I do tend to run. So... Unfortunately, this is not going to be the game for you. However, mm-hmm. if I know somebody, if I did know a GM at that time that I could recommend that person to, I'd be more than happy to. But you have to be yeah. okay with parting ways with players and letting them down because, you know, if their expectations don't meet up with yours, there's going to be that incongruency yeah. and you're not going to mesh very well at the table. And then you're going to run into the situations where the player says, you know, hey, that's a bunch of BS. Why did you do that? And I have run into that. So session zero doesn't work every time. It doesn't stop mm-hmm. everything. Eventually, somebody's going to get through the cracks and, you know, they'll say that they're cool with it. It's whatever. And then, you know, you get into a session and 
their character is going to be on the ground making death saves or whatever. And they'll be like, <laughs> what, what the heck? You're supposed to be healing me. Heal me. And, you know, it's like, you know, and they'll yell at the their fellow party members until they're brought back up. And I think everybody's had that at least once. So um, I love that. that's so cool. Yeah. And the best way to deal with that is to try and be like an adult about it. So if it's like a repeat thing, obviously you got to do what you got to do. But the best way to handle those sorts of things is just wait until the game is over or whenever you take a break and pull that person aside and say, hey, you know, what's going on? You know, why are you getting so heated right now? Is there is there something I'm doing? Is there something somebody else is at the table doing? You know, what's what's happening here? What can we do to curtail this behavior so that way everybody can have fun and feel comfortable? That's very important. I'm very, still very new. I'm like still very, very green to tabletop role playing games. Like I only started in 2017, I believe. Well, so I've still got a lot to learn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I even you know like I've said this on most of my episodes. But like my experience is pretty much just as a DM, which is not bad. But like no. you know, I would love to get more experience with being a player because I feel like it would give me a better insight into things like fairness perceived by a player, Mm -hmm. things like how it is to really get into things like character role play and this and that, you know, so much things. But it, it is interesting when you said, you know, like parting with players, that is for me, at least that is something that is just, I think beyond me because (laughs) I am, I'm intrinsically a people pleaser i am i am someone who like does not like confrontation i can't do confrontation Mm. so it's it's hard for me to do that and i know that's an issue in many ways that's unfair not only to the other players who are sitting on the sidelines being like you know we don't want to have to deal with this either aggravated player or player who is you know not liking the rules that we're abiding by and stuff like that but also to it's not fair to me to not to put up with it but like to to have me be that way because i have as a dm as a an arbitrator of things you you should be comfortable and okay with being like all right look i have to put my foot down and say no yeah in many ways like the the closest thing i can approximate it to is being a parent like with my son he's he's only three but you know i am many times as a parent like putting my foot down and saying like look no like this is not acceptable Mm mm-hmm it's just hard to do that with like an adult. Yeah, it is difficult. And you know, you don't have to confront the person face to face either. Mm-hmm. But as you said, it's not fair to your players and it's not fair to you. A thing that yeah. people have to remember is that when you're at a table, you have a social contract with each other that you are going to respect each other's boundaries and you are going to respect the household that you're in. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, and everything that comes with that. And nobody wants to deal with the person who's acting out of line. It doesn't make people comfortable. You could have someone who will say, oh, no, that doesn't bother me. But what they're not telling you maybe is that, you know, they want to you know turn and just deck the guy right in the chin and just be like, hey, shut up and stop acting out of turn. So the thing is, is that you don't have to uh, you don't have to confront them face to face. You can. And I certainly encourage you to try if that's an issue at any of your tables. Thankfully, it is not. Yeah. And for the listeners, too. And if you're not comfortable with that, you know, send them a message, you know, send them an email, Mm -hmm. send them a text or a voicemail, whatever the case may be. It's not as like, quote unquote, professional as sitting them down and talking face to face. But if you're not comfortable Mm -hmm. getting into that situation, 
you know, doing those methods, you can set it, forget it. You can block them afterwards if you need to. You can just yeah. say your piece and be done with it. Yeah. You know, it's it, in my opinion, that's not the best way to go about it if you want to grow as a person. But if that's mm-hmm. what has to be done in order to make sure that you're, you know, for example, your home and all your friends at your table all feel, you know, like it should be, feel comfortable, then it that's just what you have to do. And and, and like you said, it, it, there's a lot of people who, well, I, I say a lot, uh, to be broadly <laughs> general, so please forgive me, but to generalize, there I've seen plenty of stories where people don't want to confront that player. And, and I get it. You have to, though. You absolutely yeah. have to. You have to do it for yourself and do it for your friends, do it for you know your acquaintances, whatever the case may be. You have to do it. You can't be afraid of the backlash that may or may not happen from this one person who's, you know, causing all this trouble because I guarantee it once you, you know, once you rectify that issue, whether it just takes a talk to fix the behavior or kick them out, the next session or all the sessions afterwards are going to feel so much better for it. Yeah, this is very, honestly, it is very, very true. To be honest, like I did have one player like who is, who is no longer at the table who was a part of the current group I'm running now. They ended up having some issues at the table. Nothing like too major, but just enough to where I was having issues. Players were having issues. Similar thing happened. It was like killing me inside of like my anxiety and everything. But I'm like, okay, I'll just like, I'll send them like a, a quick message and like explain things. And it was right around the time also when the pandemic started happening. Oh, So it was a little bit fortuitous because we had stopped playing in person and we're like, do we want to do this online or not? And so they're just like, uh, you know, I mean, and I mean, he knew that some players were not vibing with the way that he was doing things, which, you know, like I said, it was problematic. But um, he was like, look, man, uh, I'm just going to drop out of the campaign. You know, sorry, it didn't work out. I'm like, hey, no, no problem. Like, it's fine. But it, yeah, you're right. It afterwards, it did make the sessions after that was like, <sighs> it's a bit like what you were saying about like the meditative moment, just like finding that piece of just, okay, kind of like resting Mm-hmm. And just not having to worry about it. And it is a good feeling. It is an important thing to do to be able to have that communication. Yes. Uh, in in a fair and justified way of being like, look, I don't want to do this probably as much as you want to hear it, but this needs to be said. Because, you know, everyone deserves to have that information presented to them instead of like what you're saying, just like, all right. I'm going to block you. I'm not going to talk to you. I won't give you any updates on whether or not we're playing this week or whatever (laughs) have you, you know, because I've heard horror stories of that happening. And it's just like, even I agree, like, that's not the way to do it. No, that's just, that's just rude. That's cruel. You know, don't do that. Yeah. Well, going also with, with this and kind of diving into more about the way you play our games. Do you feel like you as a person, as a DM, and other DMs, do you feel like you can more often than not be fair and impartial in your games? I would like to think that I can. And uh, I certainly hope that my players would agree. But I do do my best. So the the sort of blessing and curse of being a creative person as I am, uh, being an artist, designer, mm-hmm. all that stuff. I'm very self-critical. So nothing I do is ever good enough. Uh, and it never will be. <laughs> it's a thing that I just have. I've accepted that I'm going to deal with. But that overcritical 
um, and self-analysis also carries into D&D, where whenever I'm in a situation that I reflect upon, I think of all the different ways that I could have handled it and whether those would have been better or worse. And Mm -hmm. those have been helpful in shaping my personality and how I judge certain things. So generally, I would hope that I can be as impartial as possible and as fair as I can to my players. I certainly don't have favorites in terms of like who gets all the toys and who doesn't. Um, I certainly have favorite players at the table, for example, who, you know, if there's a person who's maybe more theatrical in how they role play as opposed to somebody who's maybe more quiet, that doesn't mean I like that other person less. It just means that I enjoy the you know i i enjoy this other person's ability to act more than what this other person is bringing and i don't let any of that stuff get in the way of how i run the game or how i hand out special items or anything like that or how i treat any of the people at my table good i i think that's you know really respectable because sometimes it is it is hard sometimes to completely detach from playing favorites especially if you're playing with you know like a loved one say like a significant other or a sibling sometimes you know it can be sometimes hard as as a dm to be like all right no i'm not gonna play favorites oh no they they don't get special treatment at all the girlfriend has gotten her character almost killed a few times so (laughs) that's awesome it's so funny it is good though to to have that, you know, mutual respect for each, or I guess also adoration for each player. But, you know, you enjoy like the input of other people more often than maybe others. But that just, it's more of a um, cosmetic kind of. It's like a superficial I, sort of thing. Where it's, yeah, that's the word I was looking for, superficial. Yeah. It's not yeah. integral to the, you know, your time at the table together. It's just, a mm-hmm. you know, it's like a cake, right? Everybody yeah. at the table is the foundation of that cake. And maybe the role play character is the sweet fondant that got thrown over the entire cake. And it's like, yes, there's a Mm -hmm. lot of this and I love it, but it doesn't mean I don't (laughs) enjoy the sprinkles that came from this person over here. Ooh, now you're just making me want cake. (laughs) Me too, I know. Like to do completely derail this, I really want some cake and ice cream right now. Yeah, you're speaking my language. Mouth is like watering right now. Yes. Uh, but no, no, it is very, very important to always have in your mind, especially for probably like new DMs, especially because not only are they having to, you know, learn rules, create a fun environment for their players, whatnot, but like to really get in their eye, in, in their head of like favoritism does not work at at a table of D&D or other tabletop role-playing games like it just doesn't it will create problems a lot of times that's true and you know the thing is is that people aren't stupid and i've run into plenty of situations where somebody will be like oh you know like well not somebody i've met but i've like seen it in plenty of situations where people assume that the general population is not smart enough to catch on to what they're doing. And it's like, dude, no, people are smart. They're not dumb. They wouldn't be alive (laughs) if they were dumb. Like we wouldn't have made it this far. And, you know, people will pick up on this stuff. It may take some longer than others, but people will pick up on it. Yeah, it is an important thing for for the new players to realize that. And, And what you were saying is it is a good point. Going from what we were just talking about, like DMs and, and obviously our whole thing of fairness, and whatnot, in your opinion, are games, are tabletop role playing games like D&D or even like we were saying, uh, Zweihander, are those games, do you feel like they're pretty well positioned for fairness 
in the way that their rules are set up or the way that, you know, they have their mechanics of dice and whatnot? I think generally speaking that most systems I've run into on their own are pretty well developed and fair, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. on, they're, it's just like anything. They're just tools. Mm-hmm. If you were to analyze the system on its own, you may like personally find something about Zweihander's, you know, highly deadly system to be just absolutely deplorable and you would never allow such a thing at your table. That's unfair. <laughs> but, you know, that's, you know, one opinion versus another. So on its own, it is a very fair system in that it sets you up with the knowledge of what to expect out of the game. And mm. it's just a matter of how the rules are executed and how the dice roll and present these rules in front of you. So I do think that generally speaking, most RPGs that I've run into are very fair on their own. It's only whenever you get human influence into things that stuff gets a Mm. little bit messy. That is very accurate. And something popped in my mind while you were saying that was, uh, so, so some players, obviously you can understand the rules and especially if you're having a DM, a GM, you know, whatever the, the master of the game again, being this arbitrator of rules in this story, they are having to bring in this fairness and and let the players know that like, look, this may seem brutal, this may seem unfair, but these are the rules, you know? And something you're saying about dice rolls, in my experience, I've had a few times with a player when I no longer DM for them though, but um, it was the rolling that they were getting so worked up about. And they're like, oh, this this is like so unfair. Like, oh, I can't do anything. And they were having a big issue with, with the rolling of the dice, which, you know, was causing problems at the table. And in turn, they were like, well, this is unfair. Like, my character can't do this. He wasn't allowed to do that. I'm like, no, dude. Like, it wasn't anything anyone's fault. It was just... That's the way the dice rolled. You can't you, do anything about it. You, you've tickled a little point in my brain that uh, I definitely want to touch on. And I think this is a perfect segue into this from the point you've just made. I, yeah, do it. I the other day, I made the mistake of having an opinion on Twitter. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> Never do that. I Never, know. ever. I've learned my lesson. De- never share my thoughts with anyone again. There is, there is a post and I'm sure, I'm sure your listeners have seen it. And if not, they... We'll probably go looking for it after this. It was confessions that will get your D and D card revoked, and uh. and you're 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 talk about you know this is unfair. I can't do this. I believe that I have solved that problem in terms of skills. In that when I hmm. play a game, social skills those don't exist. Persuasion, deception, huh. intimidation, none of it. I take them out of the game. Well, interesting. A lot of people weren't happy that I took those out of the game. <laughs> and so uh, one of my favorites is like, so you just turned it into a hack and slash? And I was like, uh, I guess like you could still role play without them. <laughs> but so like the reason I say this is because like, let's say you get into a situation where your character wants to intimidate someone to get information out of them. Right. And mm-hmm. let's say, you know, they, they deliver a great speech. Um, so you as a GM, you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, I love this. I want you to succeed at this. Like in the back of your mind, you're like, yes, this is great. You're excited. And then oh, they yeah. roll and they nat one. Well, that's anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. So the way I run games to go on to the whole smorgasbord of things that I'm sure are going to be slightly controversial with my GM style. Um, <laughs> it, 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 whenever I, so actually I'll give you an example out of my Zweihander game that I've been running. 
yeah. I have a player who is a witch hunter. They're known as Anstrega in my care in my setting. In my setting, the Anstrega have full legal authority under the crown in the kingdom, uh, as well as the legal authority backed by the church and funding of the church to go about find any unlicensed mages and convict them and burn them at the stake. They have full legal authority to do it. So yeah. they have a reputation. So my player, who's the Anstrega in the group, he goes into a church and talks to the priest about how, based on what he's seeing, it doesn't look like he's doing his job to warn his flock about the dangers of witchery and to lead mm -hmm. them away from this devilry. So in that situation, I'm sure... I'm sure most DMs would probably be like, okay, roll intimidation, you know, because he is trying to get information out along with this. And instead, yeah. what I said was, okay, you're saying this and the priest, he's, he's looking away from you now. He's looking at the ground and he starts stumbling over his words like, oh, uh, I, I, I'm so, so, so sorry. I, I mean no offense. And, you know, in the reason I did it that way. And he basically walked over this social encounter. He got to leave with a candlestick and he was like, all right, see you later. Be better. <laughs> but the reason I ran it like that is because it's so much more cinematic and so much more, so much more memorable for the players. Because, you know, in, in, if you were in his shoes, you know, you know that you have the full legal backing of the crown and the church behind you. You can walk into this chapel and you can tell yeah. the priest that he's terrible at his job and he needs to hand over something to you just so that way, you know, you don't cause any trouble. This priest's eyes, he knows that the Anstrega, you, that you have a reputation for burning people. Now, yes, he may or may not agree with the way that the Anstrega operate. But at the end of the day, once that person leaves, this priest still has to deal with grieving families for the yeah. person that's been burned. And he's, you know, he's a spiritual leader. He's responsible for this community. So now he has this death and mourning he has to deal with. So I in that encounter, I made him very submissive. It was very much a situation of um, like, okay, I, I apologize. I'm, I'm going to be better. I'll, I'll right away. I'll get on it right away. I'm, I'm, I won't slip up again. And the player talked to me afterwards said, you know, I really love that you did that. That was so great instead of me having to roll. And the reason I did that is because it would make sense for his character to be able to deliver that impactful intimidation. Mm -hmm. And and I feel like there's some things that the dice take away from our players. And now getting to my point, uh, I love old school essentials and I love the way that I've modified games because you take out skills, you take out athletics, you take out survival, perception, all that stuff. And you have your players tell you what they're doing. Like I'm scanning this forest looking for anybody who might be sneaking up on us. I'm going to sneak through these bushes and I'm going to take my time getting around this building for a better position, or I'm going to climb this rope. You know, it's those sort of things. And instead of yeah. saying, okay, roll your X skill, you just say, it makes sense for your character to be able to do that. No worries. Or if they're in a situation where you think they should roll, you could say, okay, Roll your wisdom skill, roll your your dexterity, or roll your your strength, and you let the yeah. main stats dictate the skill, and rely more on storytelling and role play to deliver the experience that these players are looking for. And you can certainly do it in fifth edition uh, by taking all those skills out. Trust me, try it, and I think you would love it. It's 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 going to be weird. 
but it's so interesting because it incentivizes your players to be creative to say, I want yeah. to jump up and grab onto the chandelier, swing over top the lich and, you know, <laughs> drop and sit on his shoulders and start whacking him on the head. Yeah. And then I, I yeah. love that. Yeah. And then you no, as a GM, ahead. you can arbitrate this, you know, if you want them to roll to do that. Or if you just say, oh, heck yeah, that's dope. Do it. Because yeah. if, if you're playing the, you know, if you're playing, yes, this is amazing. Go out and do this. Uh, you know, it's sort of the Colville uh, approach, as I call it, right? <laughs> uh, if you're already playing that way, why are you using skills? The stats yeah. are there for combat. You don't need the skills. Let you let your, your tables tell the story with you. I find that really, honestly, like very beautiful way of, of think of going about things and, and just running a game. I'd never really fully consider just taking out social skills mm-hmm. and, and just doing that. But like while you're talking, I'm like, wow, this is great. I wrote down a few a few points of like of you doing that in that example of your Zweihander game for, for doing that, you know. It just lets that role playing experience flow instead mm-hmm. of breaking it up and like okay now we got to roll dice let's let's pause the the cinematic for a moment here and like let's roll some dice add some numbers be like okay I got this like okay let's let's step back in now yeah. it just without having to roll it it definitely is just like oh wow like this is boom 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 things happening things going on it's more realistic too to like you said if you if you know that character has a certain background in 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 that you know of of burning these kinds of people at the stake and having this authority and just being like who they are knowing who they are like yeah that's totally realistic that that monk would be like uh, yeah yeah uh, sure sure no problem yeah mm-hmm. I, uh, I got you buddy like it's it's also a very cinematic experience like going in with that flow and realism being like you know just like you could set the scene so perfectly and just like really draw everyone in there. Right. And I hope of, that everybody. It. Yeah. And I hope everybody who's listening put themselves in that situation. And now think of that same situation again. He goes in and he says, you know, you're doing a terrible job as a priest. You know, you don't want me getting going around here and finding a witch to burn. And you say, okay, roll intimidation. And then he rolls. And that one, or he doesn't pass the skill roll. Well, you've just robbed that player of that experience. You've robbed them of the ability yeah. to feel like this authority witch hunter who is backed by the church, who knows that they have the full legal standing to do what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. You've robbed them of that experience. And some people have brought up a great point whenever I actually made that that tweet in that they had concern for, let's say, a person who's not very charismatic at the table who can't role play that well. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You can compensate for that so easily. Like if you have a person who's very shy and isn't comfortable role playing, you don't have to use that system. But if you want them to try it, you know, and if you're encouraging them to try it, don't force them to role play, but you can say, okay. Um, you know, what do you want to do in this situation? I want to go and, you know, they'll say, I want to intimidate this priest to give me X, Y, and Z. Okay. Um, you know, how are you going to go about doing that? Are you going to, you know, are you going to tell them they're bad at their job? Are you going to raise your sword at them? And then that gets that player to go, oh, okay, well, maybe I will do this, this, and this. And then you can respond with, okay, so you say this or something along these lines, and this is how he responds to you. And Mm -hmm. you can work that way with people who maybe aren't very charismatic because you have to keep in mind the character. Because if you're a lord and you're negotiating for land or, you know, whatever the case may be, you have to take into account 
who is this character talking to? Who is this Lord talking to? Is he talking to an equal who is going to bounce back and forth and negotiate with, you know, some hardball? Or is this somebody who's beneath him, like a peasant, who isn't really going to fight back against anything he's saying? Or is this a lich who's been, you know, who's been alive for a thousand years and whose arrogance just tells him, I don't care what these people have to say. (laughs) You can just kneel. You know, that sort of thing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Getting it's it's like really getting into the headspace of that NPC also as your players are doing something, you know, that uh, requires a reaction from that NPC. Like, I mean, obviously, as a game master, you should know, you know, for the most part, what these NPCs are like, you know, Mm -hmm. like with that monk, obviously, he's not going to probably want to stand up to that character who has such authority and be like, well, no, fuck you guy. Like get in his face. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to listen to you in realistically. Like that's going to get you like a dagger in your gut, especially in like a dark, gritty medieval setting. Absolutely. When someone is coming in like decked out in mail with a freaking sword strapped to their back. Like you don't do that. Like, and even if they rolled a nat one, still it's like, it doesn't matter. Like that shouldn't matter because I can't fathom a way that that would ever t- even just turn out good for anyone. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And, and, and I think we're dancing around the whole thing of like, you know, it, and it touches in with fairness, you know, it's not yeah. fair to rob your player. Huh? Wink mm-hmm. of such yeah. a cinematic experience. Ding. Yeah. Right. Bing. Seal of approval. And, you yeah. know, let them feel like their character. And, you know, if you have yeah. to change rules in the game, to facilitate that as long as you're okay with doing it absolutely do it and have fun with it you know and Mm -hmm. my players you know they know what to expect when they come into my table and and play in my games and i think that i would like to think that i provide them with a beautiful rich experience because i'm doing things maybe not in a way that you would expect otherwise and yeah, it, it just and that's sort of the most important thing to me is I'm helping some people who are hopefully my friends uh, escape from all the BS that we have to deal with in life. And they can just become something else or someone else for a few hours and enjoy being in that instead of being ripped out of the moment and saying, oh, I would have been able to intimidate that person, though. Like, look at me. I'm wearing a full plate mail. I have blood all over my armor. My sword is serrated. And it's like... I got freaking armor spikes, dude. How is this guy not pissing his pants? Yeah, exactly. I love that. I can just, like, see that imagery of that scene playing out over and over. I'm like, I'm, like, doing calculations like Doctor Strange of, like... There's only like one instance where that monk would actually get out of there with something good, mm-hmm. like in getting in that guy's face. But no, like it, it's interesting because like while you're speaking about this, like to me in my head, I'm like, I kind of don't want to put, you know, social roles in my games much anymore. Like right. there are certain instances where I think they would come into play, mm-hmm. but you know, for the most part, if you're wanting again to be this master of, of this world where you're trying to give your players the best experience they can while, you know, abiding by what you as a DM want and what the players, what they want, you know, and what the game provides for you. Like, yeah, I don't, you know, 
there's only maybe certain instances where you would need those social skills. And there was uh, in that same game. Yeah. That same player went and talked to an apothecary. He dressed himself up all dirty, put ashes all over his face so he looked like a like a bum. He goes to the cool. apothecary and sits down at her table and he says, uh, pardon me, miss, but uh, would you happen to know if... Uh, if there's any witches around, you know, is, is there any like, oh, he didn't say that at first, but he's like, I'm looking for a, a, you know, a potion or something that can help me, uh, you know, help me with, with, uh, with finding a lady's love. And she was like, oh, don't mm-hmm. be silly. That's like, that's magic. And I don't know magic. And he even pulled out <laughs> gold and he was like, well, do you know anybody who knows how, you know, knows anything I can, I can use. I have coin. And she sees the coin. And I did roll in that moment for her to see if she yeah. did know someone. And then I had him roll uh, his in Zweihander. It was his charm roll. I had him. I had him roll that because <laughs> you better not be listening right now. If you are, uh, <laughs> he knows who he is. <laughs> um, but in that moment, I rolled uh, a critical critical success, which is a one on the percentile die. So she does wow. know somebody who does magic, and he rolled charm. He failed his charm roll. So if he had passed, I would have let him, I would have told him something from her perspective. Um, Because in that situation, I couldn't discern whether or not I would have her tell this stranger or Mm -hmm. not. Because he was role playing so well, I was like, what would she do in this moment? You know what? I'll leave this one to fate. So there's certainly, as you said, there's moments where it is absolutely useful and necessary. But Mm -hmm. uh, I think that it, it all comes down to your judgment call as a DM. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is only fair that you give your players those moments of like, okay, we'll leave it up to the, to the dice to decide this. You know, you've done a great job, you know, of role playing, but like, we'll just see what happens, you Mm -hmm. know? And, and it does sometimes give more tension to a scene sometimes, you know, it not, not every scene is going to be cinematic, you know, not every moment's going to be this like epic tale, like what you would see in the movie theaters or stuff like that, you know, but like, it would, for me, if I was that player, I'd be like, oh God, I got to roll now. I, I'm like, I'm hoping, I'm praying that I'm going to get it. <laughs> yes. And they don't, and it's just, it, it makes that like enjoyable moment. Well, maybe not at the, at the, you know, time of it actually happening, but that, that fail of like, no, yeah. like, dang it. Like, but like you're having fun. Yeah. When you look you're back leave upon that table. It. Yeah. When yeah. you, when you look back upon that moment, you can say, okay, I had to roll for this. I almost had it. I almost yep. had it. And now I'll never yep. know. <laughs> you know, this escape right between my fingers. Exactly. The one that got away. And it's it's yep. so fun. And it's just interesting to change things up every once in a while. I, just, uh, yeah. I get so excited talking about it just because I, I love it so much. Just one of the many things I do love about these kind of games where it's like there's so many different ways that you can go about running a game like this. And, you know, I've from, from what you were telling about this, like I've learned kind of a new way to do things now because of you, uh, that I think I will try out my next session because it does seem like it'd be very fun. Yeah. And in it, like, like I said, it does make sense, uh, for re- like in your world, whether it's, you know, a set, world that has like a bunch of deep lore that's been on wikis and all that stuff or if you're just making it up on the go like again you can get into whatever npc headspace you can put up in front of these players and be like i can know at least a general sense of what they would and what they wouldn't do and therefore have a fair uh like representation of them 
as your players are interacting with them. And I think that's way more exciting and again, just more enjoyable to have your players, like you said, just just to reiterate things, just to role play and then just doing that. It just, it's just seems so much just so fun. I want to do that now. Yeah, we have to do that sometime. You mentioned um, tension very briefly in in uh, in that in that response, and um, I want to give you a little little tip that I think your players are going to hate me for. But if you want to increase some tension at your table, mm-hmm. have them roll initiative, but have nothing happen. <laughs> yes, I, oh. I I don't remember who I learned this from. I think it was. I think it was like it was either Matt Colville or somebody like that on YouTube. But essentially, put them like in the forest, and you know, um, like like I'll run the scenario real quick. You know, just you yeah. walk you, you walk through the forest, leaves cracking underneath your feet. The sky above you is growing dark as you go deeper and deeper between the trees. Your vision begins to narrow as the surroundings all around you become the same tree bark leaves mm-hmm. roll initiative and then they'll be like oh gosh oh gosh oh gosh and then <laughs> oh, and no. then and then uh or you could say you know as you move past the next turn could i have everybody roll initiative and then they'll do it and then you'll say and so then you continue forward a little more you find a stream and that for the first few <laughs> moments that you're describing it they're like what's gonna happen what's happening and then there's that oh, moment God. of like nothing happens it's very hitchcockian Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's, beautiful mm, piece de resistance. If you're trying to make them uh, feel uncertain and scared, I do love that. It's it's akin to what what you just described is is I think superior to the uh, those moments when you're like, okay, everyone, I need you to roll uh, perception for me real quick. Like in the middle of nowhere, they're like, okay, mm-hmm. and like maybe they've rolled really well. They're like. Okay, everything seems fine. Yeah. And then you just go on. It's like, what the fuck was that about? Yeah. Like, is there someone? And they just like have that. They do get more tense. And it's like, all right, we're going to be like looking around our shoulders now. We're going to be like really wary of the people we meet and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and if you want to take it to the next level and just really make them hate you, is you got to make sure that you're playing the proper music for it. Because I always play music in Ooh. my games. And, oh, um, me too. Yeah. So if you're playing something really creepy, uh, you know, or like it, even something oh, as simple it. as like ambience of being in the forest at night. So it's just crickets and maybe a little bit of a breeze. They're mm-hmm. going to go nuts and go postal. Like, what are you doing? What's happening? <laughs> it is, I, I oh, love God. doing that to them. I, I torture my players, but it's all in good fun. Can't blame you for it. Like each, each DM is different. And it's only fair that not just me, but like others and your players like respect the, the, the crazy <laughs> dark way that you run your games because it is just one piece of a tapestry of like, just what this game can give you. Yes. Uh, because not, and again, not just because of the system you're running, because of the players at the table, but like for you being this weaver of stories and narratives, if your players are not the kind of like, well, I'm just going to jump a hundred feet in the air. Mm, or like I'm yep. just going to punch this ogre's face and it's going to break his skull, like things like that. But, you know, you could potentially, you know, have minimal dice rolling, if any, and still have a, beautiful gaming experience 
I can attest to that. And in my goodness, the dark Lord is my witness. You will experience this <laughs> at my table one day or another. I'm going to oh, make gosh. it happen because you, oh, I think you would be a prime candidate to sit at my table and experience the for yourself firsthand. Well, I'm scared. Yes. Come and kneel before your master. Uh, I'll put I'm you so up against excited. a lich. So that way it'd be more cinematic. And more Ooh, fun. interesting. Never fought a lich. Never ran a lich. I'm, I'm excited to do that. Oh, see, so that voice is actually a major character in my setting. He, who is a Ooh. lich, and he's sort of been this like recurring idea as I create my campaign setting. And oh, I'd love for you to meet him because I have a when I made a demo reel, I had uh, some snippets from his voice, and I believe the speech that I gave was like. Um, Welcome to my home. If you value your pathetic little lives, then I suggest you kneel. And then there was like a break and he would go. Um, Very soon, my army will rise from the ashes of this forsaken kingdom. So if you believe that you can stop me, then I invite you to try. And, oh my yeah, god! He's he's so much fun to play. Oh, I would love to have you in a campaign because you could just hear the moment that fits in with it. Just um, how does it feel to know you failed the ones you love? You know, just <laughs> oh, like like just from voice alone, it's like oh, I hate this guy. I want to kill him. <laughs> Oh, I know. I can just see his like bony, decayed face and just be like, you motherfucker. Yeah. And I like to run him a little bit, uh, influenced a little bit like by Hannibal Lecter because, you know, Ooh, he's my favorite interesting. villain. So, you know, this is a character who will like, you know, in context will get under your skin and use everything against you. Um, like it, it's going to be a, a battle both physical and mental against him. If anybody ever gets to him, nobody's ever gotten to him yet. And I just I want to use Ooh. him. <laughs> Oh, I know that. I know that feeling of like, come on, just, 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 just get there. Just, just please like hit that little moment where you're like, all right, finally, yes, I can pop him out of, out of the smoke and mirrors and be like, here I am. <laughs> and like, it's, it's just such a fun experience getting those moments of like, yes, they did it. Now I can fuck him up. Right. Oh, oh I, just one day I'm going to get to use him one day. I, I hope it's soon for you. Just, I really do. I really, really do. Well, to segue into the one of the some of the last things I want to talk to you about, yeah. you've got a few projects in the work, and it, and it kind of ties in with this uh, voice acting stuff. I'd love for you to talk about some. I of that. sure do have some projects in the work. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> like I said before, I do so much stuff. I have so many hobbies. I think I have far too many. But I've done voice acting. I am. In a couple of projects, a lot of the projects I'm in haven't been published yet, which is unfortunate, but that's just the way things go. The one that is published is I voice an old man in a game called Leprechaun Shadow on Steam. And, and he spends Ooh. most of his time talking about rutabagas and uh, <laughs> telling you about stories and other such things. And, um, oh, my God. Yeah, he's fun. But yeah, I, I'm always looking for some interesting opportunities for voice acting, but I get most of that out in D&D. Yeah, then there's, you know, I'm always doing graphic design and artwork and all that stuff. So the comic book I'm working on is called Outlanders. And Outlanders is sort of an homage to the stories that I grew up with and uh, sort of the fun kind of wacky stuff that I enjoy. But it's also set in my campaign setting. It Ooh. explores a 
uh, a war empire or warring empire. Um, so like, think of like, think of like the Romans mixed with like Aztec culture. Um, and that's just sort of like a very Ooh. broad stroke where there is uh, an empress who looks over this kingdom, but she's basically like an immortal because she's been alive for so long and she's captured so much of this continent that, you know, that her empire is on. But in this story, it follows two characters that have been captured and taken into slavery and are being used as uh, entertainment in the arena. And the way this arena mm. works that they're fighting in is that the longer they survive, the more they become the champions. But you, they don't want to be champions because the way this arena works, every season, the champion that survives the arena is sacrificed to the gods for mm. the next season's harvest. Ooh, so good. Yeah, so they have to deal with the balance between, okay, if, you know, the further along we get, the worse it's going to get for us, but they can't really escape, but they're going to try to. And all the while, they're going to be dealing with people who have come into the arena willingly, unwillingly, terrible monsters and creatures. And the goal is to have, I think I can tell the story in maybe anywhere between four and six comics, uh, 48 pages in total. So right Very now cool. I'm, I'm plotting out, trying to see how that goes. And beyond that, I can't say I have too many projects beyond that. I'm, I'm sort of like low scope, but a lot of work. Truth be told, I would love, 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 love to have like a <laughs> D&D podcast or show or something that is set in my campaign setting using a system that I really want to use and have yeah. really talented role players. And and I say really talented, I just mean people who I really enjoy being around and there's good energy, but have yeah. them share that world and share that with people because it's a, it's a very rich campaign world that I've been working on for honestly, since I started playing D and D. So it's, I've wow. got a lot of years and I've been playing since fifth edition came out. So that's like what, uh, almost seven years now or something like that. I was about to say like six or seven years. Yeah, I something think. like that. So it's a world I want to share with people and I want them to experience yeah. it. But I I want to put it together in like podcast or maybe not Twitch. I'm, I'm leaning more towards podcast format more more mm. often nowadays, but have some, you know, music from Sirenscape, have the characters Ooh, yeah. really get into, you know, into character um mm -hmm. and, and still you know still have the table banter time to time and you know just like hey how's everybody doing today you know just shooting the shit and all that and all the while experiencing this wonderful campaign world because like the end goal of that it's like whether or not it becomes a super popular podcast that's not really the end goal for me like yeah at, once i get to a certain point with that i would love to put out a campaign book and a couple of splat books so that way people can enjoy the setting and the, or not the setting, the system for themselves. That'd be awesome. And, My God, yeah. that'd be super cool. Yeah. And then I also do music and all sorts of other stuff. I do way too many things. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel you. I do. Like it's especially now, like again, with this whole pandemic thing, you know, there is a lot more time to be had, I think, because if you are, uh, you know, social distancing and doing all these things, like you might not be going to all the places, you know, to go hang out you used to do. And so sometimes people are just staying inside a lot of times. So they have more time to do things for me, especially like it is because of the pandemic that I made this started this podcast, you know? Mm. So, but like it is, I totally understand you. Yeah. 
eventually. I mean, nothing's changed for me since the pandemic started. I'm still a, a, a hermit at home. <laughs> so it, yeah. it is what it is. Uh, but I mean, I, I get more time to be creative and work on like, mm-hmm. you know, work on my with my spiritual clientele and like, you know, do all my tarot and all that fun stuff. So I've had some cool. fun. That's awesome. Though. Yeah. You play a few characters in some games for, uh, you say, sir, from Zweihander. You can talk about that a little bit if you'd like to. Sure. So I'm, I'm going to start with the podcast first because we just had an amazing session last night. We had a four hour Ooh. recording session for Savage Worlds of Terrace. It is in the Savage World game system. And our, our GM is wonderful. I love him. He's one of my favorites. Uh, mm. We were Oh, no, that'd be spoilers. I can't spoil it. Oops, almost <laughs> almost did it. <laughs> um, but I play Lyra in that podcast. And she is a trickster cleric. But she's like a, essentially, she's a like a, a cleric mixed with a rogue. And mm. she has a bit of a troubled past. When she grew up, she was like a street rat. So she learned how to thieve and all that stuff while she was in that, uh, you know, in that setting. And then she moved in with her mom when she grew up and became a member of the church, but it's a trickery church, so you can't really dress uh-huh. her. And everybody else in, in in that game is just so wonderfully talented. We have such a great group and a lot of just beautiful energy that we share together. And I love playing Lyra. She's a lot of fun because we, we have this dynamic that one of our players does not trust Lyra, the mm. player and the character. And the character, Lua, has um you know kim the player has alluded to um assassinating lyra in her sleep because she just does straight up does not trust <laughs> lyra at all oh and my gosh. i'm all for it if she does it i i would just i would have a blast i think that would be hilarious i love it because a uh, valder the other elf in the group has like a puppy dog crush on lyra but lyra's having none of it Aww. and she's like aloof Aww. to it she like so she straight up does not know what's happening all she knows is that Avalder's acting really weird and oh like always gosh. weird when he's around her and she's like berated him for it. like, why are you act- like Avalda? Why are you acting like such a? Str- why are you acting so strange? This is unlike you. And you know, and he'll be like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she'll be like, oh, Whatever, you're so impossible. And um, <laughs> and and for for giggles, we went to a ball at one point, and uh, Lionitis is a is a lion, uh, kind of funny in our group. Oh, nice, she, nice. He mentioned. Uh, that he's like, well, we're going to go to this ball and I don't have uh, anybody to go with. And I, as Lara, I immediately just went, well, why don't you just take me then? Uh, me as the player, I was like, this is going to really mess with the Valder, but ooh, also it'd be great. Ooh. So like, she's just like, yeah, he's my bestie. Let's just go with me. And the vault, it, like after that, he, you know, he's like, dude, I am so sorry. I'm not trying to get in your way. And he's like, yeah, oh. what? it's whatever. I don't care. Uh, it's, <laughs> oh, it's so good. Uh, we have a great dynamic. And then... Uh, God, the, it's so adorable. Oh, I know. And then the two characters that I'm playing in Zweihander, because we got second ones assigned to us recently. My mm. main character is uh, Stella, Stella von Dulgen. And uh, little does my GM know, I snuck my, uh, my Lich's family into his game. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah, so, no. yes. so my lich uh, that I mentioned before, his name is Razandul. And Von Dulgen is a play on for that last name. So I, I've i snuck his family line into, into his campaign. And I'm just like, ha ha. Beautiful. Yes, yes. But she's a fun character. She is inspired a little bit by my own upbringing where 
Uh, she grew up in a very, you know, a very nice home. She's an aristocrat and I'm not, but grew up in wonderful circumstances, you know, never really had to deal with any, you know, any sort of hardships financially, at least not that I was aware of. And mm -hmm. always had, you know, everything provided for us. So we had a great upbringing. And the same's for her, uh, although her parents are very distant. So she has pa parent issues. And she eventually starts sneaking out of her home and forsakes the church to go and learn magic. And in, in this setting, much like my own, magic is outlawed. It's a no-no. Um, cool. Yeah, so she has to deal with the circumstances and repercussions of that. And she's interesting to play. We haven't gotten much into her yet. But the other character who uh, I slightly love playing more, I'm just not going to lie. Mm. Oh, what, what did I call him again? Is, uh, oh, I, Er Bertrand Vima. So Er is uh, just like German for sir. So he is uh, an elf uh, who has a massive mustache. So it's oh been, God, it's, yes. yes, it's been curly hued into itself. <laughs> so, oh. yeah. Yeah. So like we set up shop in a chapel because there's these Elukai, these eldritch monsters that are coming to like, that we have to fight off. And I gave him this sort of voice. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So like, I love yeah. that voice. Yeah. I, that is like my go-to like funny voice for yeah. me. Just like, <laughs> yeah. And like we, we uh, him, uh, he and an NPC went to go scout the area and he's like scolding this NPC. He's like, don't be so nervous, boy. You're going to get the both of us killed. And <laughs> I was just like, ah, I love playing this character so much. So, so fun. Yeah. Uh, God, those are, that, yeah. That's so cool. And then, I mean, aside from those, I play like every character in my own campaign setting. I mean, that's kind of obvious, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, you know, I could like. Absolutely. And, and the beautiful thing, uh, the thing that I actually really treasure is like my vocal range. So I can go from mm -hmm. like, I can go from like really up here and we can like be like a really creepy child. Right. And <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And then I can. I can take it all the way down to here and we can be an announcer and we can talk about a couple of different interesting things or we can take it's it all very impressive yeah. or we can take it all the way down to of course well do you <laughs> seek death uh, and like I, I actually I learned that voice because I tried to mimic um oh gosh what's his name uh oh the the guy who played smog in in the hobbit Oh, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was watching that that scene, scenes with him on repeat and just like, I smell you, thief. Oh, and I was like, yes, love it. yes, cool. like, uh, I have to use it. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. I want to do what you can do so much. I think like, anybody ugh. can do it. You just have to practice. That's it. And the, thing, true. the thing about the... The really guttural voice is it. The thing about doing it is... The vibration actually has to be up in your throat, but not too high that it hurts. Just a little bit mm. down from there. If I could describe it, it's the, the vibration sort of comes from where your collarbone meets in the middle of your chest, right in that little, that little nook right in there <laughs> where it vibrates out of. And I could talk like this all day if I wanted to, and I'd be fine. My God. My God, that's so cool. That's so goddamn I, cool. I know, right? You need to be working in like Hollywood or something. You know, I'm 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 working on it. It's it there's so much of a grind that goes into it. And I have to set up my my office to be appropriate for 
voice recording because unfortunately it's kind of a not a great room to record audio in there's a lot mm-hmm. of like reflection points and stuff and I, I need to build like a isolation booth that i can record in and oh. then i can go back into full bore oh yeah tell me about it mm-hmm. like as we talked before like i'm i'm still learning a lot of stuff especially like you know things about you know mic work and and audio this and that and whatnot but like i feel like every room i try to record in is just like Echoey, echoey, echoey. Yeah. And, and honestly, it's, it's so terrible. Well, there's there's a few things you can do about it. And you'd be surprised at what little things can, uh, how, how massive an impact they can do. Actually, I'm going to write a note to myself to send you a couple of helpful resources that I have. Ooh, so that way I would you love can, that. Yeah. So you can like, you can pimp out your studio and you can, you know, <laughs> you can, you can sound even better than you already do right now. Ooh, they need a show like, remember Pimp My Ride? They need Pimp My uh, Audio Recording Studio. <laughs> Can you imagine Zivit walking out and be like, yo, welcome to Pimp My Studio. Yo, welcome to Pimp My Studio. <laughs> be perfect. Oh, my gosh. Miss that guy. Oh. But no, I, I would love that, though. I, would, I, I accept any and all tips in order to make things easier, make things better, though. Yeah, um, I'll be more than yeah. happy to share them. Well, thank you. You're I welcome. appreciate that. Well, I think that about wraps it up for all the questions I had for you. Mm-hmm. I've had a wonderful time just chatting with you about all this cool stuff. Likewise, it's been a fun, fabulous time. Although It I, has been fabulous. I, I, hear the, I hear the hesitation in your voice, almost like you... You don't want this conversation to end quite yet. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah. I, I I love it whenever I can like talk to someone that like you just enjoy talking to mm. and you're just you have so many facets about yourself that I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Like that's <laughs> badass, you know? Yeah, and you know, like you especially can... especially with like if someone says they like a band like Cannibal Corpse, I'm like Fuck yeah. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I've actually seen them. I've seen them twice in concert. Oh my God. That's so cool. They're so That's good. Awesome. I saw them with Behemoth uh, too uh, when they came to <gasps> Minneapolis. Oh, my girlfriend did not enjoy that concert. She she likes all that stuff now, <laughs> but that was the first time she's ever been to a concert that extreme. And I forgot about oh, wow. that point. So Behemoth comes onto stage and I'm just like, yeah, slave shall serve. This is great. And <laughs> she's like, she gives me this look of like, we're not supposed to be here. <laughs> she, oh my God. She told me afterwards when we left, she's like, I felt like I was doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing when I went oh in that gosh. show. Oh my gosh. That's so, so funny. She was so good. That was so funny. Well, I mean, hey, it's great, though, that she gave it a fair chance. Speaking of fairness, she gave it a fair chance, went along with you. Yeah. Because I think that's important, like, to do de- maybe not derail things, but bring things maybe to a finalization. It is good to give people fair chances in trying something new, whether that's, you know, in a relationship, whether that's in a game like D&D, of, or just being too, like, just to a stranger giving them a fair chance to be like, all right, I'll, I'll try this, you know, but like it's, it's something that's important. I think we should all do more often. A lot of times like that, like it's a good experience. Absolutely. And I couldn't say it any better myself. And I don't want to deprive you of such a beautifully poetic ending. <laughs> well then I guess on that note, I just want to say thank you once more for joining me here today. 
just had a fabulous time with you. And listeners, please, I will be putting some little links and info in the description that you can go and check out all of her work, which I suggest you do so. But on the final notes, thank you listeners for joining us. I will see you the next time you open the Ironbound Chest. Hey everyone, it's the end of the show, so I figure we could do some shoutouts now for reviews that people love less on places like iTunes or Podchaser or wherever else you can leave a rating and review. This one comes from Captain Kirkle on iTunes who says, Love this podcast. The interviews feel natural and filled with fun conversation. Thank you, Captain Kirkle. I'm glad that you find them fun and that they feel natural. That's kind of what I some of my main tenets that I want to have here. So thank you very much. And listeners, if you would like to leave a rating review, please, please do so. Leaving them on places like iTunes and Podchaser really helps to get the word out of the podcast and to let people know that you really enjoy me doing this. So I just want to say thank you to those who have left reviews and to others who have not. Please consider doing so. Thank you, and I'll see you the next time we add some wealth to the Ironbound Chest.